Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The War Room, a podcast where we talk to successful founders and executives and about their, their oh shit moments, a crisis that uh, they've experienced, how they work through it, and uh, with the emphasis on, on uh, this happens to everyone, especially or uh, even more so to successful companies. And we just recover and continue to grow and continue to, to work through it, even if it's a very, very big uh, oh shit moment. Without further ado, Joe Jordan, CEO of Ciro, is with us today. Hey, Joe. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me on. Very, very good to have you and really excited to hear about your oh shit moment. So first and foremost, give us a little bit of an intro yourself, the company and so on, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. So I'm the co-founder, the co-CEO here at Ciro. I'm technical and I do sales. I've written some of the code, but still to this point, sold like two thirds to three quarters of companies there are. I got started in sales, selling Cutco knives to moms when I was in college. I was studying computer science and business. So I didn't expect to like sales or be good at it, but both ended up happening. I learned a ton um, from willingness to bet on myself and risk tolerance to the sales skills that allow me to do what I'm doing now. And after that experience, I decided, yeah, I would actually probably trade my business degree for this sales experience because I learned so much more about, especially the early stages of what it takes to build and, and sell a product in a company. Following summer, I was invited back to become a manager where you know, we did well, at least according to the numbers, finished in the top 2% of sales teams in the company. But I didn't feel great about my performance because we had a ton of sales reps that I had personally trained and mentored that didn't come anywhere close to their potential. They could have sold so much more, but most of them didn't make it through the summer. And most of the ones that did never came back to cut go or sales in any way, shape or form. And the reason was I didn't have the time to give them the mentorship that I'd promised them in the interview and that they deserved. And so that's where the original idea for Ciro came in. It was, well, what if we could you know, record these hour-long conversations and bookmark the three most critical places and boil it down to the five key minutes where people are most likely to make the mistakes that kill deals and just go kind of one, two, three, one, two, three through those moments for each of our reps, get them trained up um, and help them see the success they were truly capable of. Very interesting. So, and, and you guys have been around for three years now? Yeah, third birthday was just a few days ago, July 28th. Very nice. Congratulations. And how many more? So kind of kind of early stage, what's your um, roundabout size in terms of number of people? Yeah, so I actually have to count now every time someone asks me because we're hiring so quickly. Um, but the uh, number's uh, nine. Um, we just raised our, our Feed round is a $4.18 million round um, co-led by FICA and Index just a couple of months ago. Very nice. So we've had we've had late-stage companies, um, call it mid-stage companies. You guys are early stage. But let's talk about one of those moments. Uh, we have many of those in the early stage. Thankfully, late-stage, late uh, you get less of them, but uh, they seem they seem always they seem to be as big uh, when they come. But tell us about... Uh, Tell us about the episode that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, the biggest oh shit moment in the company was when we went from having 
what we thought was going to be almost a 200K deal for our first customer to, you know, and being on the one yard line for this deal where we're basically expecting a signature and had an invoice out. Um, Their users have been on the platform for months. Um, People were raving about it. Uh, We we even made an Instagram account specifically for Ciro at this company, Um, thousands and thousands of recordings. And then on the one yard line, uh, legal killed the deal. Um, and so we basically had zero revenue and zero other customers in the pipeline besides, you know, this, this first customer. And we were forced to scramble and find a way to scrape up as much revenue as we could from this customer. And it was difficult to use that customer's logo and references in finding other customers to bounce off from. So, um, so kind of, kind of. So, unfortunately, something that a lot of us have experienced, right? Signing the first clients or signing and not signing, especially in enterprise. How do you find out about this? Like, it's, what's what's the time? How how do they let you know? Kind of what what was that dramatic moment? Huh. You know, my my co-founder who was mostly interfacing with uh, the president of sales there. Uh, got a call, which we were excited for because we were expecting to find out that they had signed. And it was the complete opposite news, uh, completely out of the blue. We had not been worried about legal, didn't even think it was going to be an issue. Um, And we found out that it was going to be killed and that actually we were supposed to stop talking to this president of sales and we probably couldn't call him back and have another conversation after that. And so it was a complete rug pull. So what's and what happens then? Like, what do you guys do? How do you? What happens the night after that? Like, how do you kind of put yourself together and come up with a plan? First, from the emotional perspective, because I think we've all been there. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, step one was coming to terms with the fact that we now lived in a completely different world than the one that we lived in twenty-four hours ago. Uh, world world number one was a world where you know we were going to be six figures ARR. We were going to have one of the most important logos in our beachhead market, and we were going to be able to crush referrals from this company and have plenty of users to continue iterating the product from, which it you know, was basically at MVP um, stages. And like the V part of that viable was like still like a. a um, you know, a little bit uh, d- debatable, let's say, right? Uh, so still trying to learn a ton. And we moved to world number two, where we have no revenue, no reference customers. All the users we do have are about to be completely cut off. We have no way to continue learning. And we have to start the sales process, which you know took us seven, eight months to get to this point with this customer over from zero. Um <laughs> So, so that was step one, coming to terms with being in that world. And then step two is deciding what do you do about it? So the first most obvious thing was to try and find ways to get the low-hanging fruit revenue, scrape together whatever we could from this company. So the first thing we decided to do was sell directly to the managers at uh, at this company. 
who you know have less budgets coming out of their own personal pockets um, and are at varying levels of buy-in. Now, the other hard part was this company had been hiring. It's the same company you're just selling to a lower level on an individual basis? Exactly. So instead of a corporate card, it's literally that manager's personal credit card. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like their compensation is structured such that they still see a positive ROI on zero if it was implemented properly. But they're already in the stages of their seasonal sales cycle where most of the training that they typically do like has already been done. I mean, they do most of this stuff in May. It's now July, right? Mid-July, early July at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made a list of every single regional manager's name and contact info. And we went on a blitz to try to sell to each of them. And we ended up closing a handful of them. And I think ended up getting like 30K or something uh, ARR from each of these managers, whereas we were going to get 180K from the company before. So um, that was step one. I still, I still remember a moment where uh, I think my, my mom was visiting me for some reason. And I was on the phone with one of these managers who hadn't tried Ciro yet. A handful of them hadn't. And the objection came up, well, how is this different from just recording in voice memos? Like, why would I pay extra for something that I can get for free on the phone? It was funny. My mom was there, and I put it on mute, and I said, "Mom, this is perfect. I'm going to close this customer." And we ended up closing one of that, uh, closing that person. So, uh, unmuted, handled the objection, and, and got the deal across the finish line. So, so there were some fun moments there, but the, the situation was still somewhat bleak. Right? You have six times less revenue than you thought you were going to. You can't really use this logo. So, what do you do? Um, step two was okay. We've got all these customers that we just closed. Um, I think we have four or five. Which one of these are the most bought in, the most connected? If we can't get referrals from the logo, let's see if we can get some referrals, you know, from uh, you know the, the the top regional managers. And we did. Um, one of them ended up introducing us to several other companies in the industry, who we squeaked out pilots with towards the end of the summer. But these companies basically all stopped selling at the end of the summer. It's a summer sales model. Um, and so we got we got a couple of successful pilots. We were able to sign some of them uh, to like, start for the following summer, but almost no revenue in from these other customers at that point. So now we have a c- couple of other customers with, with very little revenue um, signed for the following summer. And we're faced with this fall where we have no users and we can't sell to the same industry because they don't sell during the summer, uh, during the fall. So what, what do we do? And that, that was kind of uh, where we ended up after putting out the, the immediate fire. How do you manage your psychology through it? Who do you rely on to, to, get, you, to get you through? I mean, maybe, maybe you're one of these people who just sleeps through a firefight. Uh, but, but many of us don't How what's, how did you handle that? Yeah. Um, it kind of felt like, uh, wrestling matches where you're down in the third period and 
if you focus too much on how far ahead like your opponent is, you can get kind of overwhelmed by that. Like what I, what I try to do is let go of the results, except that like, okay, maybe failure like will happen, but I don't have direct control over winning or losing. What I do have control over is what I do. And if I were to succeed, like how do I work backwards from that? Like what would I need to, 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 to make happen in order to create what would look like success and then just focus on doing that and try not to worry too much about the outcome itself. Yeah. So you, you have based, sounds like you have experience with that. You have this, this athlete mentality of just focusing on one step at a time and working through it. Yeah, exactly. You know, step one is I need to get the first takedown. Um, how do we get the first takedown? You know, in, in, in this context, it was like, you know, step one is let's get the list of the managers and their phone numbers. It's like, okay, we've done that. And, and you try not to think too much ahead because the more you think ahead, the more bleak it becomes and the more heavy, like the situation weighs on you. So you ignore that and just focus on the step right in front of you. Makes sense. So you went through all of this. Um, you know, obviously the company is successful. You just told me before we started, you hit a, a major re revenue milestone. Congratulations. So you guys are doing well. You're growing. Um, how did you, what was the whole process? Like, how did you emerge from that and, and gain traction? What was the point where you said, okay, we're over that. Here's the, here's the next thing to worry about. Yeah. Um, it wasn't for a while, actually. That, that fall um, probably was the hardest time in the company for me. I mean, we, we, the, the product wasn't there yet for uh, year-round sales teams outside of the summer sales model. And so I was fighting as quickly as I could, like, and basically all day long to get smaller companies who we could turn around more quickly on the platform fast enough for us to continue learning from them to improve the product. Because again, at this stage, like, the number one thing you want to do is learn because the biggest risk to the company is that you don't know what you don't know and you end up making some like very simple mistake. And so like trying to learn as much as possible. And it felt like, uh, it felt uh, like a Sisyphean effort where we were rolling a giant boulder up the hill, got a customer to try it, but the product wasn't there yet. And they just quickly churned. So the ball rose all the way back down the hill. We have no users again. And so I kind of went through this process over and over um, for the first half of that fall, all the way until around November. At one point, um, you know, my parents at dinner had sat me down and asked me like, Joe, like, how do you know when it's time to quit? Like, what, like, what are your stop criteria basically? Um, and so, so that how was a pretty, you know? pretty how, how do you know? Because, you know, the, my last two conversations was, were exactly about that. Like, how do you know and what makes you carry on because those two founders carried on and, 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 you know, punched through the crisis. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to answer this for everyone. I, I guess I can only answer on where I was, which, you know, my thinking was th this is a product that people deeply need. Um, and it solves a problem that I personally care about. And so the, 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 the stop criteria for me is when we're out of money. 
and we physically can't operate the company anymore because up until that point, we always have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. This, this athlete mentality that you take with you, that makes complete sense. And and I think a lot of us are, are like that as well. I mean, we, uh, some, some, a, a very big percentage of founders start companies because they have to, as a form of self-expression. And if it's that form of self-expression, almost like an art project in a sense, then you don't stop, right? You stop when you're being told to stop because you're out of money or because nobody buys the product or you, because you have to, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, so to kind of wrap this up, looking back, you you recovered, you didn't didn't give up, your company's doing well. What are your top lessons for people listening? Uh, what, what were your takeaways that you may share with others about this episode? Yeah, um, I would say the, the, the like I can first quickly explain like what, what got us out of it, right? It, it was uh, a piece of advice from uh, you know, one of the members of the, the, the company ventures team um, who was uh, kind of the VC behind the residency program we were in at the time was basically to switch to a design partner strategy where like you get big customers who may take longer to close but you give away the product at a steep discount. Um, and in return, you get control over the rollout schedule. You get access to leadership for feedback. You lower the expectations of the product and you just spend time with them learning, even if it means sacrificing sales. And that actually worked really well. We collected a wait list in tandem while we were working with those design partners. We closed, we got to product market fit. And as soon as those design partnerships wrapped up, um, it was uh, it was a really fast takeoff. I mean, our growth rates that we went into our fundraise with were uh, astounding, and and that's kind of what allowed us to raise and get to the revenue milestone we just hit. Um, so it was, it was design partnership momentum. So so like, what, what are the takeaways from that? It was like, well, one, when things aren't working, like sometimes it's very easy to get stuck with tunnel vision and get sucked into the day to day responsibilities of running a company and not think about the higher level strategic decisions and an opportunity to change your approach, maybe sitting right there in front of you, if only you go and look for it, right? Um, and, and so being able to step in and out of execution mode. Now, one of the other takeaways there was like to find people who really know what they're doing and lean on them for advice, especially for a young founder I mean, I'm 25 now. At the time, I was 23, 24, right? Um, and leaning on the advice of people who had done it before was absolutely critical. At the end of the day, no one can do it for you, yeah. but when you have people who can give you um, strategies that have worked, that you can evaluate and try, uh, that, that, that's invaluable. Um, this way you don't have to make the mistakes that have killed so many other companies and sort of stand on the shoulders of giants. Good stuff. I mean, I often find that, uh, there's a lot of good advice out there, but people tend to, uh, frankly not listen to it and feel that uh, their situation is unique for whatever reason. And, uh, to your point, I mean, they're usually wrong. <laughs> it's usually not unique We're running a company at the end of the day. Right. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, I've learned a lot from people and uh, 
sometimes you just need to listen and uh, and 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 process and see what repeats um, uh, itself among uh, people with experience, and then uh, go and, and execute. So, thank you, Joe. This was. Uh, awesome. Anything you want to say, kind of to wrap it up, uh, tell us a little bit more about the company, where people can find you and so on. Yeah, absolutely. You can find us at uh, Ciro.ai, S-I-R-O.ai. And we're doing conversation intelligence for field sales teams right now, building an AI coach for field sales teams. So field sales, any sales conversation that's in person involves a handshake. Um, come check us out on the site. If you think it might apply to your business, go ahead, sign up for a demo and uh, we'll be happy to chat. Right on. Thank you very much, Joe Jordan, uh, Ciro. Then this was another episode of uh, The War Room, a podcast about successful companies and the oh shit moments they go through like we all do. Have a great day, everyone.